All right, Kerry uh, Jr. the second here, and I am currently in uh, I'm downtown Detroit, uh, just outside of the Free Press office building. And I'm about to so we've come to the final episode of 2022. Throughout the year, we have shared important stories about Michigan and about Detroit, published right here in our newsroom in downtown. As this year comes to a close, we thought we'd travel through our newsroom and to our reporters and editors to hear what they're keeping their eyes on in 2023 and then bring that to you. I know I've got my eyes on future development downtown, on what might happen with the paratransit services in the city, various other things. So I'm going to take you all along our newsroom and uh, we're going to have a chat. So here's a look at what's ahead. This is On The Line. So I'm already in our newsroom studio here. All right, let me hop one up, up here. Grab my field mic, got my shotgun mic here in the studio, and I'm gonna go ahead and head over to our desk, leave the studio. So walk on out. Morning. Hello, everyone. Good morning. I spot Kristen Seamus, so I'm gonna sit down and talk with her briefly. Hey, Kristen. Hello, good morning, how you doing? I am recording. Okay. It's good to sit down across from you because I don't think we've ever done this before. No, we have not. That's awesome. So I'm going to go off and start off and have you introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Kristen Seamus. I'm a reporter at the Free Press. As you know, we're talking about what's ahead next year in 2023. What are you looking at in terms of your reporting in 2023? Well, one of the stories that's top of mind in the year ahead is the story of Paul Whelan. He is the Novi businessman who was arrested while he was traveling in Russia four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was there for what he says was a wedding of a friend, and he says he was set up by the Russian military you know, secret service agency. He was arrested in his hotel room. He was charged with espionage and sentenced to 16 years of hard labor. The U.S. government is saying that he's wrongfully detained in Russia and they're working to try to release him. Are you expecting any movement on that come next year? His family is is definitely hopeful and they've been working really hard. It's hard to say. Yes, I have my earphones in. So after I spoke with Kristen in the newsroom, some news broke. Brittany Griner was released from Russia, and so I caught up with her virtually to see how that impacts Paul Whelan. President Joe Biden announced that he had brokered a deal to trade WNBA superstar Brittany Griner for a man named Victor Boot, who the U.S. had been holding since 2011. Now, Griner was arrested because officials said they had found a vape cartridge containing cannabis oil. She was sentenced to nine years in the gulag. Victor Boot is a pretty notorious Russian arms dealer. He was found to be conspiring to kill American citizens, and he had tried to sell anti-aircraft weapons to drug enforcement informants. He was known as the Merchant of Death. They absolutely were asking for both Whalen and Greiner um, pretty much all the way through this year. And then it came to a point where, you know, the U.S. Secretary of State said the Russians made it very clear either we take this deal for Greiner or we make no deal at all. And there have been some media reports that the Russian government has asked to swap Whalen for 
a man who's being held in Germany right now. Uh, he was a colonel who served in Russia's domestic spy organization. But we're not really sure what it's going to take to release Whalen and, and to get his freedom from Russia. All right, so I think next on my list is Brian Dickerson, the editorial page editor, but I believe he is currently in talks with Nancy Kaffer. If you're still talking, go ahead. I have time, so. No, I'm done. I don't need to interrupt. You sure? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. He's all yours. Awesome. Only, I've got an 11 o'clock. Okay. Hard stuff. No problem at all. I, I have an 11 o'clock, too, so okay. this shouldn't take more than five minutes of your time. Okay. How you doing, Brian? Good. Let me put this here. So what are you looking at or keeping your eye on in 2023? Well, for the last 30 years, one of the most effective grassroots lobbying groups in Michigan has been the, the pro-life movement generally and right to life of Michigan specifically. Mm. Nobody was more effective in electing sympathetic lawmakers and crafting legislation to achieve their objectives. Every year, they made abortion a little bit harder. Proposal 3 came along, and in a single election, everything they've accomplished was swept away. So I'm really curious about where that energy is going. They're not about to abandon it and, and say, well, been there, done that. I guess we'll move on to something else. You know, you talk about where all that energy is going to go next year. And I remember we had conversations with, with Dave and Claire about this and how, you know, although we've got the Proposal 3 was adopted, there's still going to be an ongoing fight in the legislature. There's like levels to what yes. this means going on. So to that point, it's like it'll be interesting to see at what level the, the energy for, for the anti-abortion abortion movement goes and how long this fight will go, which I imagine will go forever. But At some point, some young person is going to decide they don't need a parent's permission or a court's permission to have an abortion, which is what the law in Michigan currently requires. And they're going to say that that requirement is no longer constitutional under under Proposal 3. And, you know, that will be litigated probably up to the Michigan Supreme Court. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for taking the time, Brian. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Carrie. My next person is Dana. I'm gonna go to her desk. <laughs> All the way to the back of the newsroom I go. Let's see if she's available. Oh. Yes, no? Yeah. Do you have time? All right, hop it in the conference room. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you, no, I'm glad you're doing this. Before we get too deep into it, Dana, could you just introduce yourself and in your role at the Free Press? Yeah, I'm Donna Afana, and I'm the City Hall reporter at the Detroit Free Press. So I cover anything from the mayor's office to city council and anything deep in the neighborhoods involving resident issues. Donna, what are you looking at in terms of City Hall in 2023? What do you keep your eyes on? I'm keeping my eyes on a couple different things. So one of them is a paratransit contract. That was something that got voted down this year where it the city would have you know, voted on a nearly $50 million contract to provide paratransit services, which is for those with disabilities. Those in the community who use paratransit services mm -hmm. said, you know, these were subpar services. They're either waiting hours, over an hour to get picked up. They're getting dropped off at the wrong location. They're dealing with unprofessional drivers, drivers not knowing how to hook up their wheelchairs into the vans. Mm -hmm. Now, voting that down, 
poses a problem. Recently, the Federal Transit Administration said that the city is violating federal law by not providing those services. Mm. And so okay. mayor's now flexing his emergency powers. He put a contract in place that would provide these services to avoid any litigation. Council members, they have to put out a new proposal for a new contract. And that process could take three to six months at least. Just to get an idea of paratransit services, does it take people from like the do from door to door? Yeah, that's correct. So okay. there, there's the DDOT fixed route, which is, you know, the traditional bus that you see everywhere. And then there's paratransit, which is more of a shuttle that comes to your home. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Dana. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> you were you waiting for the mic to come back to you? Yeah, thank you. This is this is great. Thank you. I, I appreciate the the um, you picked up on the the routine of the past. You know, <laughs> thank you. You're like sound. right, right, right for the best quality. I appreciate it. All right. Well, you back to work. It is, and I'm gonna go on on to the next one. I'm gonna close this door for you. Sure. Thank you. All right. I am now recording. Awesome. We wanted to get some information on arts and entertainment, but Dante Bedingfield wasn't in office. So I decided to call him up and get the scoop on what he's keeping his eye on in 2023. All right, Dante. Well, thanks for taking the time, the, the quick time to talk to me about this. Uh, can we first start off by having you introduce yourself, your name and your title at the Free Press? I'm Dante Bedingfield, the arts and culture reporter for the Detroit Free Press. What are you keeping your eye on? Uh, in 2023 as we head into the new year. The National Endowment for the Arts every year selects three people that they classify as jazz masters. And all three of this year's, or 2023's, I should say, NEA Jazz Masters class is, they're all Detroiters. Saxophonist Kenny Garrett, drummer Lewis Hayes, and violinist Regina Carter. It's a big, big deal. These people are legends. And on April 1st at the Kennedy Center in D.C., there's going to be a big celebration and honoring of, you know, of those three. Lewis Hayes, he's one of the most revered drummers in jazz history. He's been playing since the 50s. Lewis Hayes played with John Coltrane, Horace Silver, which is probably his best known work. Cannonball Adderley, Oscar Peterson, a lot of major, major jazz musicians. Regina Carter is one of the youngest who's ever received this honor. She's 55. She came up in the 70s and 80s. And Kenny Garrett, he's been playing since the, the 60s or the 70s. There's also a, a Detroit artist that I'm really excited about watching in 2023 is Paul Verdell. He is a painter who just a few weeks ago got back from one of the most prestigious art residencies in the world. It's Kehinde Wiley's Black Rock. Kehinde Wiley is a painter. He's best known probably for the portrait he painted of President Obama. I've known artists before who have gone to Black Rock and have gone on to really, really major things after that. All right. Well, Dante, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with me about this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Happy holidays. Producer Darcy Moran caught up with J.C. Rindle over a call to catch up with him on what's going to be new in the new year on his beat. I am J.C. Rindle, and I cover development and real estate and the business of healthcare, and also general assignment news and auto insurance for the free press. So we want to ask you, what are you thinking of keeping your eye on for big stories, subjects, issues for 2023? Well, a big one is this massive collab between the Illich organization and billionaire Stephen Ross's organization, the Related Companies. And they have put forth this plan for, it's, it's a $1.5 billion plan, and it would be building out the District Detroit 
uh, entertainment and commercial district around Little Caesars Arena, two brand new hotels. We also would have a, about a million square feet of office space. We would have um, a lot of new apartments and also some redeveloped apartment buildings, uh, along with a, a lot of ground floor retail. 1.0, you could say, of, of District Detroit was unveiled back in 2014. And the Illich organization, just on their own back then, did encounter some criticism where, lo and behold, um, a lot of that was not built. You know, some was, but the majority of it you know, wasn't. And people are pretty, uh, I, I would say they're, they're relatively hopeful uh, because Stephen Ross, he's a chairman of the related companies, and they were a very big developer in New York. And Stephen Ross is a Detroit native, comes back here uh, fairly often. Um, that they think that this, the chances of, of this happening this time are, are higher. What specifically are we expecting to see come to fruition in 2023? There will be the first uh, new office building, you know, of this District Detroit 2.0 collab. That is going to break ground, and that is going to be near Comerica along Woodward. Um, there may be some more breaking ground. We, we've yet to see the, the total request um, that, that the Illiches and Stephen Ross's company want in terms of public subsidies. So we're, we're waiting to see what, what they approve. Is there anything else on this topic of just 2023 news that you want to cover? Another big story that's, that's going to be in our midst is auto insurance. There is going to be a big Michigan Supreme Court case on, on whether some of the, the cost controls in that, that big overhaul that the governor signed in 2019, whether that you know, can be retroactive and, and apply to, um, to catastrophically injured people um, who, who were injured before this is upended you know, care for, for those catastrophically injured individuals. Well, JC, thank you so much for your time. Um, We'll let you get back to your day, but appreciate you so much. And I hope you have a good end of your year. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you you too. All right. Now back to the newsroom. At some point, I'm going to talk with politics reporter Claire Hendrickson. She's currently in an interesting and engaging conversation with Brian Dickerson. So when she's free, we'll have a chat. Are you all set and ready to go, Clara? All right. I'm going to come over just so I can get you better on the mic, Claire. Um, I think our listeners are pretty familiar with your voice by now. We had a pretty busy October. So, you know, we're going into 2023. What are you keeping your eyes on in terms of your beat, top of mind, next year? Gosh, I feel like I'm still recovering from the midterm election in some ways. But the big thing that I'll be really interested to watch play out is Democratic control of the state legislature now for the first time since the 1980s. It's a huge power shift that's coming to Lansing, and it's going to mean a whole new set of legislative priorities are in in play. Now, I want to bring up one thing that your editor, Emily Lawler, brought up to us about Michigan potentially moving up in the schedule in the primaries. Can you just talk a little bit about that and what could go on there? Yeah, sure. So Michigan Democrats have been fighting to be among the early slate of states that weigh in in the Democratic presidential primary. And it's something that President Joe Biden wants to see as well. He recently recommended the DNC adopt new rules to move Michigan Michigan up further in the calendar. It wouldn't be first, but it would be among the, I guess it's 
technically five states that would have primaries at the beginning of the Democratic presidential primary calendar. So one thing Michigan Democrats who've advocated for this shift have said is that Michigan is kind of a microcosm of the entire nation. It's a pretty diverse state. And so that would give black voters, Muslim voters, Hispanic voters, potentially more voting power here. You typically have states that are pretty white early on in the calendar, New Hampshire, Iowa. One thing to note here, so in Michigan election law, it does say that the presidential primary is the second Tuesday in March. So moving Michigan earlier in the process would require a change to the law. The Senate recently passed a bill to do that, but the House hasn't voted on it yet. Well, thank you very much, Claire, for the time. That was great information. I'm excited. I, I like politics. I'm a little biased. It's always election season somewhere. <laughs> it's always election season somewhere. All right. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Next is our food and dining critic, Lindsey Green. We'll see if she's, if she's at her desk. We'll see if she has any treats to snack. Oh, hi. Let me call you back. Oh, no. <laughs> Figured I'd pop up and see what whether you are available. Do you have five minutes? I'm here. My name is Lindsay Green, and I'm the dining and restaurant critic at the Free Press. I'm just going to hop into it with the general question of what are you keeping your eye on for 2023? So I am keeping my eye on pop-ups. I think pop-ups had like a real moment in 2022. Is that what you're wearing? Yeah, Mm -hmm. 2022. And I'm interested in seeing how they kind of evolve as we get farther away from the height of the pandemic. I want to see if they really start to ramp up even more as restaurant owners and chefs start to just think whether it's maybe just more sustainable to think about, you know, sticking with pop-ups as opposed to brick and mortar restaurants, or if they'll start to kind of ease back into the traditional sense of a restaurant. Now, when I think of pop-ups, I think of people who own like clothing brands showing up at like events or or, like a space. Is that essentially kind of the same thought of what a pop-up is for a restaurant? What does that entail? Similar. Yeah, I think a pop-up is basically just an opportunity for a chef to sort of showcase their skills and get their cuisine out there without the confines of a brick and mortar. There's a lot that it takes to open a restaurant. There's overhead that you have to consider. There's staffing. And we've seen there's a huge labor shortage over this past year. You know, there's just a lot of challenges that come with it. So maybe it's at a restaurant or if a bar has a commercial kitchen that they can use, they might do it there. You know, in the summertime, you'll see them outside. You'll see them maybe popping up. And Detroit has a few of those alleyways and you'll see pop-ups there. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Carried you in a second, you guys, reporting live from the Detroit Free Press newsroom, signing out. This episode was produced by me, Darcy Moran, and Robin Chan. Anjanet Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers, and Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show is called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks, as always, for listening. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2023.